Hello, everyone. This is Moyatu Banyakista, and you're listening to Tea and Pepper Soup, the podcast. Today, I wanted to focus on something that has been very dear to my heart, and this is around legacy building and seed sowing, particularly as it relates to our career and life. Today, most of my focus will be on career, but some of it will lend itself to also thinking of life as well. I wanted to do this podcast in light of so many young people whose lives, particularly young black people who are losing their lives um, stateside, as well as young, you know, Sierra Leoneans in the Sierra Leonean community and in the diaspora who have been losing their lives. Um, And more and more, I've been thinking about legacy and how do we ensure that we are building a solid legacy so that when we're no longer around or even whilst we are here, people are speaking things about you that you hope they would be speaking about you when you're not in the room, right? So legacy even whilst you're alive and legacy when you transition Um, should really be the same thing and in a way kind of grow into um, something larger as you age and as you go through life, right? So I'll try to share some kind of short stories and then I have some key points around how I've been able to kind of build, build, really build in my career, build, um, and what I perceive as my legacy in many ways. And I wanted to share that. One of the people who really have helped me think about legacy um, is my grandma, Teresa, who is no longer alive. Um, one of the things I really admired about Grandma Teresa was that she was such a philanthropist at heart. She was very caring. She was very giving very well accomplished in her career, but really cared about the lives of other people. One of the things that really struck me about my grandma, so a little bit of background about her. She moved to London um, at a young age, kind of got her education there, was one of the first black women to get a secretarial job, which at the time was seen as a prestigious career simply because, you know, when you think of racism and sexism combined um, and being able to kind of break those barriers, it was seen as prestigious those days. And so she got married, moved back to Sierra Leone, um, kind of resettled back in, worked in various industries such as tourism, etc., and education, etc. But one of the things that always struck me about her was... When we met, when I met my grandma, because she's technically my grand aunt, when we met, she was telling me how she had been doing this neighborhood party for kids for like almost over a decade plus. But there was a time in her life where she got really sick and so she couldn't continue. So her neighbor um, and friend basically took over the party that she would do. So every Christmas when I would go on holidays, she would do these parties and the parties were for kids in the neighborhood who couldn't afford, you know, their parents couldn't afford to get them gifts or in some cases, the parents probably couldn't afford to feed them for Christmas and really to enjoy the Christmas festivities 
as every kid probably should be. And so grandma took it upon herself to do this party to the point where the party grew so much that, you know, she started to kind of work with, you know, her neighbor. And so that was always so, and I remember when she passed away, the things people would say about her were very much in line with who she was. She was very caring. She was very giving. She would see anyone and just take into them and care for them and pay for school fees without, and all of this she did with no recognition. My grandma was even instrumental in the Sierra Leonean feminist movement era, and she, you would never know. She's an unsung heroine and a shero in many ways because people just didn't know all the amazing things that she did. And the amazing person that she was, people knew. Uh, people knew, you know, how caring she was, how, you know, just forgiving she was, how much of a big heart she had. So even in her funeral, these were the things that people were talking to her about. And so more and more when young people pass, especially young people, it makes me think, okay, what is, what is it that I want people to say about me? Um, recently, a rapper, businessman um, by the name of Nipsey Hussle, based in Los Angeles, lost his life. Um, he was shot, um, and it was a huge hit to the community, to the black community, really, but just the community at large. Um, in LA and, you know, in other parts of the US. And really the hit people were mourning, myself included, and I had never listened to Nipsey's music. But one of the things I really, really resonated for me was his heart for the community and his heart for people. When you read stories about him, you could tell the type of person that he was. Very caring, very humble, very about his work, and very, really much so focused on building black communities, black wealth, black ownership. And so my question to you is like, what do you want people to say about you when you're not here? And how are you going to ensure that that happens? So I ask myself that question all the time. And so one of the things I've been doing is kind of reflecting on how do I build legacy for my career and my life? And, and how can I share that with you all? Um, so the first thing was, there's a Bible verse that, you know, is really kind of, speaks volumes in many ways. Um, it's a, it's a, a, a part of the Bible that talks about seed sowing. And it talks about seed sowing um, from the perspective of a sow. It's Matthew chapter 13. If you get a chance, you can read it. Um, but basically, it talks about kind of this farmer, basically, who is sowing his seed and it talks about the seeds that fall on different ground and how the seed that fell on kind of you know fertile and good soil is what ultimately yielded um crop and fruit so my first point of what i want to share with you all of how you really should be building a solid life career legacy is sow your seed on the right ground what do i mean i mean pick the places of course with wisdom pick the places of work um that you are best positioned to pour into and pour into that place. Work for those places. Serve in those places. Volunteer in those places. I always tell people you can't be everything doing everything everywhere for everyone, right? You have to be focused. If you are someone who is interested, for instance, in ethical fashion, but you have no experience in ethical fashion, look for companies that are working in fashion. And be humble enough to volunteer. 
you know, this is the other thing. You can have 15 plus years of experience in something, but if you're looking to break into a new ground or new market, you must be, or new career, you must be willing to serve and start from scratch, right? So learn how to really sow your seed on the right ground. You know, let's say you want to become, you want to become, um, I don't know, like a doctor or something. You're not going to go now and take a, a major in English for those of you who are in college. You're not going to, you know, waste your time studying for the LSATs. You're not going to, whilst you are in high school, not take the time to really study your science and your math, right? So you have to know the path and the soil that you're supposed to sow your seed on. You have to know the places and the areas that your your work will, 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 will yield the most fruit. You know, the places where you can really say, okay, this is where I'm going to work, right? Or the places where you want to volunteer and point to, and they will yield some type of an outcome, a positive outcome for your life. The second thing is, Work, 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 and then work. I see so many young people who want to cut corners. Maybe you're at this internship. It's not going so well. You're at this job. You hate it. Like, working is so important, and we can't get enough of it. You can never get tired of working, and no experience is a waste. I started working as early as age 14, 13, 14, something like that. I think my first job was a summer camp. Um, and I was working with young people and really enjoyed it. Then I volunteered at a nursing home where I would go and, you know, like spend time with the elderly, read them storybooks, hear about their lives, talk to them. Um, so I've been working for a really long time. Then I worked at a pharmacy in high school. Like I learned about sales and customer service. So like there's so many skills I've accumulated over the years that have all kind of led into me being able to kind of do more kind of freelance consultancy work and things like that. It's because of the skills that I built in the areas of work that I've been blessed to work in. So you can never get tired of working even when it's paid or not paid. Make sure that you're working and making good use of your skills. Um, the third is don't make money your number one priority. You know, I, I teach um, in grad school a lot of times when students are graduating, they're very kind of fixated on, okay, what's the salary going to be? Am I going to get paid my worth? Of course, we know, especially for women, that when we enter into the workforce, we are in some fields very much so already at a disadvantage of how much we will ultimately get in our salary. So I'm not saying don't take that stuff. Yes, it's priority. It's important to negotiate and get what you're worth and push and do your research. But don't make money the number one priority with opportunities that you may get. You know, I can't stress this enough. There have been so many opportunities that I've gotten where I haven't gotten paid initially um, in the past. But... I see it as a long-term kind of thing. So really, when you're building legacy, you always want to think of long-term. When you're building your career and your life, you want to think of long-term in your relationships, in your career, everything. It may not yield fruit today, but so long as you are thinking beyond the money, think about the relationship that you need to cultivate with this new coworker. 
Think about the, the, the work experience that you're going to get from this opportunity. Think about the way that you can make this potential client's life a much better place. What can you offer up for free for them for, comp for complimentary services that can make them po po um, possibly give your name as a referral to a potential client, right? So it's always thinking of the end game in mind. I'm not saying disregard money, but don't always make it your number one priority. One thing I see a lot of young people thinking is like, I got to get paid. I got to get that money. I got to, you know, it got to be at this salary or I'm not taking it. Sometimes you have to take a certain salary just because perhaps in the long run, it'll catch up to itself, right? There may be other, so many other opportunities that come with the job that you may want to take it. There may be other opportunities that come with that contract that you may want to take it simply because you're thinking long term, right? And the next thing is focus on two or three things that you are good at and just work at them over a period of time. Right. So this is really important, I think, because in this day and age we live in, sometimes we think we have to be doing everything. Right. And we have to be good at everything. You know, so sometimes you'll see people say, well, I'm good at m and &E, or this is for the development people monitoring and evaluation. I'm good at report writing. I'm good at research. I'm good at production. I'm good at. Right. There's just so many things that people will put down that they're good at. But it's just like, why not focus on two to three things, three to four things? And just like honing on that, right? So if you know you're really good at writing, why not craft your writing and take writing classes and write more and ask for writing opportunities at your job, write reports, etc. Because the writing is one of those skills that like you can always make so much of a career out of, right? When you're a project manager, you have to write. When you are content curating, you have to write. When you are doing PR, you have to know how to write, right? So writing is so critical, right? So focus on two or three things. Think of the things that you're really good at, but the things that also leverage, you know, can, you know, make the most out of for your career, like that leverage the most money or leverage the most resources. Think of those two or three things or three or four things and work on fine tuning those things. And when I say over a period of time, I'm talking 10 plus years, like really work on those things, right? So for me, I knew there were certain things that I really enjoyed doing and I was really good at. So I just worked really hard at it, right? So like 12 years in now, I know I'm really good at strategy. I know I'm really good at kind of knowledge content production. So content curation, basically developing reports, developing curriculum, etc. I know I'm really good at like speaking and engaging people, right? So it's important to kind of know your areas. You can't be good at everything. Um, so definitely zone in. The next thing is focus on a population you want to make impact on and stay within that niche. You see, at a really young age, I knew I wanted to serve people. Um, but I think when I got to college, I knew I wanted to work with women and girls, specifically African women and girls. And I haven't looked back since. And it's been 12 years plus since then. And that has really served me well. Because when you have an area of focus, it's very easy to then shift out any things that may distract you, right? So you're not going to say, oh, I want to work with the elderly. Then all of a sudden, you're working with young people. Then all of a sudden, you're working with 
you know, a particular different population that doesn't really interest you or that's not where your area of calling is. So really think of where your area of calling is and focus. Um, the next thing I want to add is take risks. I want to talk about this part because, you know, every now and then in your career, you're going to have to take risks that will catapult you. And don't be afraid to take those risks. I've taken risks where I haven't gotten paid for jobs, but I've seen a larger opportunity. I've taken risks where I moved to a completely different country. I've taken risks where I've asked my supervisor to take on a project, even though I didn't know the full scope of the project, but I was willing to learn, right? Risk taken is all about learning and growing. It's all about like, it's my, one of my most fun things to do is to take risks and to chart into unfamiliar territory. And I've always seen myself as somebody who charts into unfamiliar territory and kind of opens up spaces and, and markets and roads for people. And it excites me. I like to get into things and not know what's going to happen, but figuring it out as I go ahead, right? Um, so it's important. It's important in your career to take risks. It's important in your workplace to take risks to do things that everybody else is not doing, right? See what a, what your supervisor is working on that maybe she needs help on that you can help her with. That's where the promotion, I can't tell you the amount of job promotions I've gotten simply because I've taken risks. I've asked my supervisor, hey, I noticed this and this is happening in this particular area. Can you trust me to create something around this? I remember when I worked in the South Bronx with young people, I was working in my social work program as a clinician and we were doing a lot of interventions, which are basically like workshops, either one-on-one -on -one or group sessions with kids. But I realized that we didn't really have a way of collecting this information where it was kind of streamlined and standardized. So I said to my supervisor, you know what? Even if when we leave here, it'd be nice to have some type of a binder that has all the interventions that we worked on over the year. And she said, go for it. I think that's a great idea, right? So I just went for it. I created an entire manual and I couldn't tell you the amount of job opportunities I've got into build curriculum. And it's, it's like crazy how that moment was not only the beginning, but was a very defining moment for me because I saw what I was able to create in the moment of just taking that risk and asking my supervisor. So take the risk, learn and learn to be mentored. I can't stress the importance of mentorship. I think a lot of times people just want to arrive or people think they know everything and, you know, I don't really need anybody to tell me how to go about my life and things like that. But you actually do. And mentors can be family members. Mentors can be people who are not family members. Mentors can be people who are in your career, like supervisors, ex-supervisors, or people who you just seek out and you get to know and then you build a relationship with. Um, my mom is a huge mentor of mine. My grandma Teresa was a huge mentor of mine. My mom really helped me, helps me kind of think of how to go about life and how to take life as it comes and the lessons of life. She's always giving me life lessons and telling me this is normal as a woman. This is normal in, in at this point in your life. It's okay to be feeling this way. It's important to have people who have walked through life, help you navigate life. And the same thing with career, right? It's important to have people who have navigated certain things, 
like my career mentors will help me with negotiating contracts, negotiating salaries, negotiating spaces that I need to be in or not be in, right? So mentors are very important. So it's important to have a mentor. I'll do a separate podcast at some point on mentorship and finding a good mentor and nurturing the mentor relationship. Um, But yes, the next thing I want to share is remaining humble. Remain humble. I can't stress this enough. It's very easy to get frustrated along your journey. It's very easy to think that you know everything, so you don't need to grow anymore. But it is the biggest mistake you will make in your career if you decide to go that route. You have to learn how to humble yourself and learn. And learn around people who are smarter than you. You know... In my teams that I work in, I'll give, for instance, my team um, with Giselle Girls Empowerment Sierra Leone. I'm constantly humbled every day because I don't have all the answers. And everybody that works with me is smart in their area of expertise, and I love it that way. So there's times when I may bring an idea, and I think it's a brilliant idea, and then a team member would say, you know what, no, I don't think that's going to work. And without humility, I may be offended. Without humility, I may take offense to it and say, well, she doesn't know what she's talking about or he doesn't know what he's talking about. How dare you shoot my idea down? I have the best idea because I've worked with women and girls for X plus years. I don't care how many years you work in an industry. There is always room to learn. There is always room to grow. And there's always room to build relationships with other people who have knowledge on areas that you don't. In the African women's um, rights space, there are so many women who I have met and who have really helped me with this concept of humility. When you see somebody like Professor um, Abinal Busia, who is now an ambassador, talking about their journey in life, and you see them still humble, and you see her still navigating her career in such a graceful way, it humbles you to realize that it humbles me all the time, right? And um, Dr. Busi is somebody that I work really closely with, um, with um, the African Women's Development Fund USA, and she's been such a light and such a support in many ways in helping me and all my other colleagues that sit on the board understand the importance of the journey, right? For me, somebody that procedures sitting in a space with young women when we do our Afri Women event is always so humbling to me. Like, she could be anywhere, right? She's an ambassador. <laughs> um, the same thing with, you know, um, BC Fiamme, right? Um, Auntie BC is you know, has done so much in this field, has done a lot. She was the co-founder of the African Women's Development Fund. She has written books. She has jump-started so many communities and so many organizations and, and enterprises and still remains humble to be able to sit and teach 
young women about her experience and about feminism and about her journey to me that humbles me every day when I see women who are extremely accomplished but are still willing to serve and willing to give back to their communities so that's one of the things I would really encourage you to do is always say to yourself you know I can always learn I can always 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 learn more it's so important the next thing i want to talk about is documentation along your journey i'm very big on content curation i'm very big on storytelling so of course i had to talk about why it is important to document you see i documented my grandmother's life towards the end of her life and what do i mean we would have, sometimes we would just in the evenings when I would go to Sierra Leone, we would have times when we would just sit and talk. And as we would talk, I would write things down. And sometimes I would video her. And depending on the topic, she would be okay to keep going. And sometimes she would get tired. Sometimes she would get emotional. But one of the things I really valued about that was the more my grandmother shared her story, the more I realized that you know, if I don't document this and if we don't take time to document our lives and to document our experiences as Africans and African women, we have a huge void that we're leaving behind that we want. Here's why documenting is important. It helps you kind of look back at your growth and to see how you've grown over time. You ever look at your writing? I'm a writer, so I, I do a lot of writing in my journal. I do a lot of writing for, you know, kind of ministry work. I do a lot of writing for client work. So I'm always writing, and I'm always so amazed by how much my writing changes based on the season that I am in. Now, if you don't document, you don't have the opportunity to see your growth. You don't have the opportunity to see your life. And I just think it's just so important for us as African women to document our experiences more. Also, it's important to document as you go along with your work. One of the tips I was given a long time ago was, and I wish I can do this even more for myself, is to document in your CV as you go along, as you get achievements, as you accomplish things, as you create things, it is important to put those things in your CV, in your curriculum vitae, in your resume. Why is that? Because sometimes you forget. And it is important to curate your experiences. It is important to document the work that you're doing because then you see your values, then you see all you have done over X amount of years. You see it written down because no amount of a cover letter, no amount of a CV is even going to be able to really tell, no amount of an interview is gonna be able to tell anybody what you've done. But at least if you document it for yourself, you can get a chance of really seeing what you were doing at that time and why it was so impactful. So documentation is about impact. It's about impact. It's about really being able to say, you know what? Wow, I did all of that. You know, for instance, with the work I do with Women Change Africa, 
I have to sit, you know, and really think of like looking at reports year after year. How many women entrepreneurs have we impacted? How have we been defining impact? How many stories have we told? What have those stories done for the women? And being able to ask those questions and being able to look back at the reports and things that we've documented and the data we've collected and things like that has really helped to think of where the direction of the work should go next. So documenting will also help you to position yourself in your life, yourself in your career, yourself in your business right? So it's also about direction. It helps give you direction. So I really encourage you to do that as you are building your life legacy and your career legacy. The last piece I want to talk about before I answer questions is around reflect, reflecting on the journey and enjoying the journey, right? One of the things I loved about Grandma Teresa was she was such a light. She laughed so much. We enjoyed ourselves. She was, she's really one of my favorite women I got to know in this lifetime. And she would always tell me, you know, me picking life simple, not complicated for yourself. Basically what it means is life is too simple. Don't complicate it for yourself. And I thought that was so insightful and so true. And what do we mean by that? Spend time and cherish your moments with people. Whether it's in the workplace. I can't tell you how many colleagues I've worked with in the past. And because we've cultivated relationships, I can still call them now and have lunch with them. I can still call them now and have coffee with them. A colleague of mine who I met in Nairobi about six years ago, we've just always kept in touch. We get coffee when I'm in the city. We get lunch. We catch up on life. We've just grown into such a beautiful relationship that sometimes she'll call me to sit in on workshops for her organization. I've called her to sit in to lead strategic conversations for my organization. So I've really seen the importance of being in the moment and enjoying the journey. And enjoying the journey really has to do with relishing every experience, relishing every relationship, treasuring every relationship that you come across. I'm also in this season of kind of gratitude and building and make sure we're building authentic relationships and making sure we're present in our conversations. One of the things I really try to do when I'm speaking on the phone or when I'm chatting to somebody is to not pay attention to anything else around me. So if I'm in front of the laptop and I get a phone call from one of my mentees, the laptop gets closed, right? Um, not to say when I'm speaking to like my partner and he needs me for something or we need to talk about something, everything gets shut off. When you're speaking to your loved ones or when you're speaking to people you value and you cherish, make sure you're enjoying your time with them. Make sure you're really present. Make sure you're really serving them, you know, because those are the things that matter the most when we're living our lives and when we're valuing and cherishing our, our, our journeys. You know, one of the things that was so powerful in um, all of the people who have passed when you when I was reading some of the people who, the, the young Sherlinians who passed or for instance with Nipsey Hussle who passed, one of the things I really noticed was how people spoke about how they were so much in the moment. You know, like 
things like I think there was a man who always for Nipsey Hussle there was a man who used to fix the lights on the street and I think the way he would treat him made the man always go home and talk to his wife about Nipsey Hussle. Now when Nipsey passed away, apparently the man called his wife and was like, you remember that man I was talking about? Well, apparently he's he's the one who was shot and the man was crying because the man's wife was now reporting that this man had never been treated so well and he's a he's somebody who fixed the street lights. No one has ever treated him so well of how Nipsey treated him right so it's about the relationships and it's about enjoying the journey and it's about enjoying the time that we spend with people and the time that we take to really value the relationships that are around us right so enjoy the ride and take time to reflect on your journey Taking time to reflect on your journey could mean just looking through your journals it could mean kind of sitting and thinking of like quarterly maybe you sit down every quarter and you say okay what has really gone well this quarter? How can I do better in my relationships? How can I do better at work? How can I do better with my clients? Where did I go wrong in certain places? Reflection is so important in our journey because we'll find things that we didn't even realize had happened or we had done or we had triumphed in, you know. Um, recently, I did one of these reflection exercises around um, some of my clients. And I realized that there were a few things I wanted to pivot um, when it came to my client relationships, you know, and how I connected to my clients, you know. And if it wasn't for the fact that I reflected and really sat back and really thought, okay, how can I reach my clients more? How can I spend more time with them so that they feel that, you know, um, the work that I'm doing with them is meaningful, right? Because I do a lot of work around kind of coaching clients with their brands, their purpose. But for me, what's most important and I've been finding is really taking the time to really understand where my clients are coming from and what their pain points are. And that involved kind of re-strategizing. And if I didn't reflect and just kept going and going and going, how meaningful was I really living um, so, you know, really having that legacy is about, you know, taking that time, not only just enjoying your moments, but also taking the time to reflect, I think is important. So this week we actually had, um, I've been asking people to send in questions via social media and we had two questions that I think are really um, interesting. I'll try to address. One is, um, how do I know if my value is being appreciated? I am currently working at an internship and my supervisor does not give me as much time. I feel like I am putting in a lot of work, but I'm not getting any return on appreciation in my workplace. So I want to say a little bit about this. Um, you know, when you're building your career, when you're building your legacy, it's so important to remember that we shouldn't always look for accolades or we shouldn't always look for the pat on the back because sometimes it won't come. And that's not to say that, 
it's not important. It's just don't let that always be kind of the thing. I think sometimes we, 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 we think that we constantly, I think we live in the social media world where we think the like and the comments sometimes translate to real life. And sometimes in real life, you may not get that thank you from that supervisor, but you got to keep grinding and think of kind of the long term of your work, right? But if you feel like it's something that really is like an issue for you, in the workplace, you may want to think of ways to like concretely have a conversation with your supervisor just around how to build a culture of gratitude and appreciation, not just for you, but for others, right? So think of your pain points in the workplace and your pain points in, you know, whatever as somebody else's pain points and then turn it around that way and have the conversation and maybe give yourself as an example. Say, for instance, you know, I remember we worked on this really big project. I put a lot of work into it, but unfortunately, I didn't really get like any kind of feedback, positive feedback, or even critical feedback from you, right? So use it as a way to build a relationship with your supervisor as opposed to looking at it from a point of kind of a negative perspective. The next question was, how do I know when to leave a relationship of a friendship that is no longer serving me? Well, I think relationships are very dynamic and relationships are very complicated and relationships go through seasons. So you really have to think of the value that you're bringing and the value that the other person is bringing into the relationship. If you feel that, you know, you're at the point where the relationship has taken a different turn, um, because I mean, going back to my point of like enjoying the journey and enjoying the moment, if you feel that, you know, you're not enjoying this journey and you're not enjoying this moment, it may be worth a convert, a couple of conversations with the person that just say, Hey, this is what I've noticed in this relationship. You know, I'm not really feeling like you're coming at this the way we first started is something going on. You know, and so use it as a way to kind of have conversation with the person. If they're open, perhaps you all think of ways to get better in the relationship. But sometimes it's important to know when the season is over in a relationship. I think sometimes we try to hold on so much. And when the season is over, it doesn't necessarily mean that another season won't come around. It may just be that for now, you all need to kind of chuck the deuces and kind of let air breathe on the relationship a little bit and that's okay as well right so knowing when to leave a relationship or when to end a relationship with a friend i think requires a lot of layers a lot of conversation but you also have to be very introspective as far as what are you doing in the relationship that may be um harming or you know not contributing to the space you know since it's very difficult sometimes for us to look at ourselves and sometimes we may think that the problem may only be with the other person but the two of you are in the relationship right so there has to be something that for every action there's a reaction so there's something that you're putting out that is causing this there's something that they're putting out that is causing this but the only way you can find out is don't have assumptions about things don't create stories in your head that probably don't even exist. Just have the conversation with the person and just see how it goes. Um, but I think sometimes it's very hard to end, especially female relationships, friendships. It can be very difficult, you know, but I think it's so important to have conversations when you feel like, you know what, um, I'm not being served here or, 
no one is being served the right way anymore. The relationship is taking a pivot. It's really okay to just know that things are not always going to be the same. But so long as you're open to the season of change that is happening, then I'm sure you can find a way to really navigate. But the most important thing is communicate, be open, don't make up stories in your head. Try to just have the conversation with the other party and be open. Don't come to the conversation with an agenda or of any sort. Just be open and see what gives. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. End the relationship amicably as much as you can, right? Um, so yeah, those are the two questions for this week. It really has been a pleasure sharing a little bit around this concept of seed sowing and legacy building with you all. I hope you enjoyed listening. Um, you know, thank you all for showing so much love to the podcast for real. You know, I've gotten people kind of emailing me, messaging me, sharing the podcast to family members, friends, etc. Keep sharing tea and pepper soup. It's really for you all. You know, it was really birthed out of the idea of, you know, creating just as how soothing tea can be, just as how satisfying and nourishing pepper soup can be, or at least I think those two things are, is what this podcast is supposed to do. It's supposed to help those who are social impact, social entrepreneurship, career, young African women, millennial, really kind of live your life to the fullest, um, really through the lens of my faith um, and wellness. So I hope today was a, a good... Um, time for you please 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 follow us on spotify um share your reviews on itunes and of course you can always listen to the podcast on any of those platforms or by visiting www.moyatubanya.com thank you all for listening and see you soon and pepper soup can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and via my website, moyatubanya.com. Feel free to stop by and subscribe so you can get your tea and pepper soup every two weeks of the month. Leave us reviews, leave us comments. We always appreciate hearing back from all of our listeners worldwide. This is Moyatubanya Kista, and thank you for coming along this journey of tea and pepper soup, the podcast.